Every time someone's like talking about the S codes on an aircraft carrier, all I can think of is the S codes from the CBs. And I'm like, I'm in charge of what? You're putting me in charge of who? And then I'm like, wait, no, that's a totally different. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to embarrass myself. Hey, and welcome back to Depth and Distance Leadership Challenge, where we are breaking down the skills that it takes to be an incredible leader into digestible, actionable chunks so that everyone can do a little better, be a little better, and hopefully have a really great 2024. This week, we're talking about time estimation as part of our planning series. So we're going to spend the next few weeks thinking about what are all of the skills that it takes to put together a really great plan. And this week, we're talking about how do you break down tasks and then think about how long each task will take how to fit them all together, and how to communicate that to the people who are going to care, because someone will always care, right? And we're using a couple of different techniques in this. Ask an expert, which is, I think, what most of us are used to. That's finding someone who knows the answer and asking. Comparative estimates, where you look at similar situations, parametric estimation, which is where you kind of treat it like a word problem, break it down into its component parts, and try and build it back up into a full estimate. And then a three-point estimate, a best case, a worst case, and a most common. And we're blending those together along with some of the other components that we'll go into in more detail later to look at what it would take to get last minute resupply to another forward operating base. And I am so excited because one of my best friends who I've known for 10 years, she's really taking point on this problem because this is her area of expertise. And you know, I love leaning on people who know more than I do. So we're going to be talking about time estimation, but also using your resources, communication, and other skills that are part of this larger series, because all of these skills really fit together. They have to work together in order to get a good plan going. I hope you enjoy it. We had a really great time recording it. She is absolutely brilliant, and hopefully this is a skill that you can put to really great use in 2024. Lieutenant Cassie Wiseman. So would you like to introduce yourself? And Uh, and Oscar. (laughs) Yeah. And my cat, which is keeping us company today. We met in Port Wayimi. Um, Fateful story about goggles, which can be told uh, a later point in time. Uh, But I was there for Seacoast, which is Civil Engineer Corps Basic Officer School. I had just commissioned. So I went to Guam as a construction manager, came back to Port Wayimi, was with NMCB 4 and was platoon commander and a company commander in debt OIC. It was great. I got to go out on debts to support Cobra Gold and Pacific Partnership, and then also spent some time in Oki. And I like won the khaki lottery with with air debt. And really, I like won the first class lottery as, as well as just go ask an expert. I had experts plenty, and I had an awesome estuary. So I did two exercises, came back, went to Camp Pendleton for a little bit as a public works officer, worked with the Marines, told them to stop flushing t-shirts down toilets more than once, (laughs) and that you really need to clear leaves out of drainage because it won't work if it's blocked. Shout out to my public works officer. He definitely took a few phone calls because I did not have the best grace or poise. (laughs) But then after that, I got to go to NATO. Uh, I went to their maritime command in England and did all sorts of cool engineering, intelligence, critical infrastructure, traveled all over NATO, did inspections of really decrepit fuel systems. While I was over there, that was an experience. Needless to say, I got to be at NATO when suddenly people remembered why we have NATO. And then I came back to the States with NAFAC Southwest now. uh, Yeah. And I'm like the bad penny you couldn't shake. So the goggle story is that I'm irresponsible. And I was training for an Ironman. I was swimming on my lunch breaks. And I forgot my goggles one day. And I was just like, can't be that hard to swim without goggles and like 10 minutes into me just absolutely struggle busting in the pool I popped out at the end of one of my sets and this nice lady from the lane over who took pity on me was like I'm leaving do you want to borrow my goggles okay that pool was horrible it was heavy chlorination oh my gosh that pool was so bad 
I don't know if it still is, but the Port Miami pool was like, fry your hair off, fry your eyeballs out. I was really hurting. Anyway, from, from that, 10 years of friendship. You yep. never know. You never know where you're with the people. And I, of course, am super excited to have you here today because our leadership challenge, it, it gives the CB vibe. In fact, yes. I, I wrote it and I was just like, oh, this is like more broadly applicable than a lot of my like more Navy centric stuff. It's fine. It's so good. And then I was like reading it again. And I was like, am I having skews board flashbacks? Um, I read for- it and immediately was like, chief, where are you? <laughs> right. Alpha and, six. I need, I need a reliable alpha type for those of you who don't particularly speak CB. So I was stationed with NMCB3 when I met Cass. And so we are both, well, she's an actual CB. I was CB light. I was the S4 alpha. And the S codes are all different in the CBs than they are on ships. I I feel like I'm gonna, it's going to be really hard to shake. When I go to a ship, they're going to be like, oh, S3. And I'm going to be like, ops. And they're going to be like, no, no, no. sweet baby. <laughs> And the SKUs is the warfare qualification for the CBs. It's the CB combat warfare qual. What's the second S for? Does anybody know? Is it a great mystery? CB combat warfare specialist. Specialist. Okay. So if there's non-Navy people listening, which I think we have a few and even a few from other countries, in the Navy, every job and then job type, so surface, air, submarine, expeditionary all have like a standard qualification and it's a list of like a whole bunch of stuff you have to be able to do and a whole bunch of stuff you have to know and you have to prove that you can do all of that stuff and then you get something fancy to wear on your chest is that a fair assessment of the qual system it's it's a it's really knowledge based yeah I I think from my friends that have described like slow quals to me, it's like how much information can you retain and then dump a little bit more in there. It's basically like your qualification is like your learner's permit. It basically says like, you know enough that we're going to let you like go forth and do the job a little bit. And if you, if you have a qualification in an area and you like finished your tour, people generally assume that you like know what's going on i like to think of it as we're saying you're qualified you're now responsible if you mess up and the skis board is super different and i think it's changed a little bit but 10 years ago when i was going through they give you basically a fake scenario they give you the warning order and then the operation the the op board and then they say like go forth and plan whatever we've told you to plan In my case, I was tasked with building a base in a random country, and it was really difficult. And there were so many things that I did not know, because as a supply officer, why would I know those things? Yeah, it's not just, you know, build a base. It's you have this mission and you're you're taking an air debt, which is around 90 personnel, plus or minus. And we we say, go forth, plan it, secure your stuff. So how are you going to get there from secure location to where you're setting up your fob how do you run that convoy how do you move your stuff to anywhere else you have to do a project site how are you going to do security there how are you going to sustain your people and then it starts to get like really detailed it's like okay where can you medevac to like yeah what where are your different level hospitals and just how long is this mission going to take you and you then present it to at least most of the final boards I saw when I helped run the program, it was like CO, Ops, and Master Chief. And, yeah. and it's it's definitely a game of, it's not a game, it is really like, did you think everything through? Because they yeah. can tell right away if you did not think something through all the way. They were more interested in how I made my decisions than like what decisions I actually made. Cause they, you're never going to make these exact decisions in a real time scenario. What they want to know is like, is your logic good? Did you lean on your resources? And I thought that was really interesting. I had a 
two really bad spots in my SKUs board. One is you have to build out like your personnel roster. Like you have to build out who you're taking with you and present your org chart. And I took my NCC, like my battalion career counselor as my senior enlisted because in my watch section- For building. For building things. But like in my watch section, he was my chief for like FEX and stuff. And I had a really good relationship with him. Like- He's a submariner. He's how I got into into submarines. But it was just like my CEO was like, I need you to explain that decision. And I was like, if I'm in charge of the air debt, surely the last person alive is NCC. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we've already suspended reality here. Let me take <laughs> NCC with me. Let me take someone I'm comfortable with. Anyway, so of course, with this leadership challenge, I thought this feels like a skews board. I need a SKUs here with me because I'm going to ask the expert and any SEPA who's been with the CBs knows that you should immediately find a CEC officer and <laughs> hold on for dear life. So let's, let's get into it. I read the scenario and then I, I reread it and I was like, you're 200 miles away and it's a humanitarian disaster, but you also need ammunition. Like try to think which country you might be in. I'm like pirates. And then I realized maybe needed to suspend that thought and just go with, okay, how long does it actually take to travel 200 miles in a 50 ton? Not yeah. your little Tesla, like a 50 ton. You're like, <laughs> oh, wow. This is no longer a three and a half hour drive. Yeah. I wouldn't worry too much about the 200 miles or anything like that, because I absolutely straight up made these things up. I had no, okay, country. I had, I had no country in mind. I went, <laughs> I went completely smooth brain and was just like punch in random things. Uh, no, it was great. I saw <laughs> numbers. I was like, all right, I can get the time hack off of this. <laughs> all right. So let me read the scenario and then we will, we'll break it down. So you are at a base in an isolated desert about 200 miles from the nearest base, a FOB running a humanitarian mission. That's the nearest base to you is the FOB running the humanitarian mission. A sandstorm blows through and while your base fares well, you get a message that the other base has lost all of its supplies. The base commander, your base commander, has tasked you with delivering essential supplies, including food, water, medical kits, and ammunition to the base. The FOB commander needs to know when to expect the delivery. You know that you can pull together a working party of about 20 personnel. You have five trucks available for the trip and in working condition after the storm. That's all my alpha knowledge. That was all I got as I was like, some of those trucks are going to be down. We got to identify that not all of them. That's it. That's all I got. Shout out Chief Pierce. Your base has enough to deliver critical supplies until they can get a full formal, formal resupply. What are the subtasks? Who do you need to coordinate with? When can you get them a delivery? All right, so we're going to give it our best imaginary effort. We're probably going to end up inventing some facts. So if you did the leadership challenge at home and you invented different facts, enjoy the imagination trip together. And we're going to think through the process of estimating both telling our CO when we think we can kind of have this up and running um, and when we think we can actually get this delivery to the FOB. Ready? Yeah. All right. Let's start with like subtasks, I guess. Well, what are all the I, tasks? Ooh. I mean, I think even before that, I, I think there's two answers you really owe your CO. Mm -hmm. When can you have a preliminary plan? Actually, three. When can you have a preliminary plan? When can you have a final plan? And how fast can it be executed? Perfect. And I think those are three really important things because your CO, that preliminary plan is just like the feel good for your CO. It's like, I've thought through some stuff. I know what I need to get doing. And it gives them a sense that like, you generally have a handle on it. Right? And when you do like rapid planning also, you know, th that would kind of be your time where you're not going to get super in detail. You know what your constraints are. Um, yeah. And that's really what you're going to present. You're going to say, these are my constraints. Um, you know, do we have five ton trucks? Do we have 50 ton trucks? That was right. going to be one of my first questions for you. You know, what, what's the, the status of the, the road right. getting there? And then, okay, you have 20 people. Well, do you have 20 mechanics or do you have, you know, a plethora of people that can do 
you know, labor or build things or, you know, whatever had, you're going to have to have a loadout crew. That's, that's kind of the other thing. So like, do you actually have that? And, And that's when you have to go to the other like officers in charge of different companies and make sure you have their buy in. Um, Absolutely. In theory, they were there when you got tasked. So they know already that they're about to support you. And my thing would be like, if, if this sandstorm was so bad that a base not that far away is like kind of beat up, maybe like all of those other people are busy, you know, figuring out what's going on in their specific area. And that's why you've been tasked is just the like random deliver stuff to the other base person. But I think you've hit on some really, really important things, which is like, there's some information you absolutely have to gather. First and foremost, you have to know what you have, who you have, and the condition of everything, right? Like all of those constraints, because even if all of those roads were in perfect working order, if this sandstorm took that base out basically entirely, we can assume that at some point the roads are bad, right? Something has gone awry. And I write these very off the cuff so that I am also kind of working through them with everyone else. And I try and give myself like a couple of weeks between like writing them and doing this. So I've like forgotten some stuff. And my vibe is if I have to deliver them ammunition, if we have ammunition and they have ammunition, even if we're here for humanitarian stuff, if we're packing that out, there's a reason. Like you can do humanitarian stuff in places where you need to be ready to defend. And so you also need to be thinking about like, okay, so this convoy needs to be, does it does it need to be like plussed up a little bit? Do we need... Yeah. You need security trucks with you, right? And yeah, and, and I think oftentimes when we think of security and convoys, I think everyone's mind goes to you know Iraq, Afghanistan, but in reality, you might just need security from looters. You sure. know, one would ask the question: How did everything disappear in the sandstorm? You know, was looting part of them losing everything in the space, or was you know did sand just get everywhere and ruin everything? Sure. There's lots of uh, lots of threats that are not just directly like a formal enemy for yeah. sure. Yeah. So so the first step is going to be that preliminary plan. And let's think through. I mean, so I guess going back to the skis board, I remember we had 24 hours to get a preliminary plan off of our skis board with a real air debt with something like this. You're probably looking a lot shorter. How would you think through CO says like, here it is. When are you going to have that preliminary plan for me? What kind of things um, are you so, thinking through? I mean, I think it's reasonable to say I'll have COA see you in three hours. That gives you an hour to put together your, your COA. Courses of action. Sorry. <laughs> I feel like we forgot to define that acronym. Oops. Your COA and you may well just be writing them out on a flipboard. It gives you an hour to wrangle other people that you need. And then it gives you an hour to kind of verify certain pieces of information before you do it. And you're going to give them the five W's and you're going to say, here are the, the maybe only two ways to execute this. Because never do a throwaway COA. Never right. ever do a throwaway COA. Because they will pick that and make you try to execute it. I think that's like the second or third time this, this has come up on the podcast. And this is only the third podcast. Like <laughs> if, if this podcast has a slogan, it's going to be don't do a throwaway COA. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a spot where I would definitely go for I would definitely go for like a three point estimate, maybe with some like ask the expert in there. Right. So I'm thinking best case scenario is I could sit down, get most of this info via email and have some COAs ready in an hour. Like that's like best case. I could probably crank that out. Worst case, all of the other department heads, all of the other company commanders are running around like chickens with their heads cut off with their own tasking. And it's going to take me forever to find everybody and get the information I need, in which case six or seven hours, right? Like if they've all got their own problems, if comms are messed up and I can't, fi- you know, find S2. Yeah. Intel. If I need, you know, if I need Intel on the threats on the roads, but S2 is like trying to get that is running around. If I need, if the comms are messed up, you know, and I need to find S6. If everybody's got their own fires, I think the thing where we both totally forgot about going back to facts is there's a command center where Usually. everyone are. Let's like, hope. You yeah. go to the watch floor and, and there's literally people manning 
information boards on every single one of these topics that we need information on. Yeah. And they're prepared to deliver that information to you because they're prepared to give it to the CEO at any point in time. Yeah. And I think that's use your resources, use your expert. There's going to be a watch officer. They're going to know real time, hopefully, what's going on or what's not going on. I think you're onto something there, which is like placing yourself centrally so that even if like S6 is, you know, spinning, trying to get comms back up after the sandstorm or S2, just like it's going to take S2 just time to figure out what these impacts were and get good intel back in and everything. But the place to be is definitely the command, the scary part of you saying that. Were you aired at for FEX too? I I was aired at. I was aired at my entire time with the CVs. Okay, nice. I was one of the combat watch officers. So sometimes an unreliable narrator, sometimes just a random S4 alpha who's in there and can read you the boards and has very good backup, had very strong watch team. But exactly. You're you're it's not so much the watch officers that are you, you're not this isn't when you care about rank. This right. is who stood this watch before and who knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's a really strong point on the ask an expert, which is like, it's not about who's oldest, who's done it most, who has the most rank. It's like, who has the most similar experience and can provide the best guidance here. Yeah. And I would also say like the most contemporaneous experience because mm. Just because someone did it 20 years ago, you know, a lot of things have have changed. And for sure, if we're all doing our jobs correctly or mostly correctly, then, you know, we are spreading the knowledge. The only other thing I'll say about like the command center is before you brief the CEO, your COAs, I would go back to the watch floor and make sure you have the most updated information. Yeah. And if something changes, that's OK. But you you've got to lead right with that update and i think it's important to note since you and i are both o's talking about this from the moment i am summoned to the co's wherever you know tent wherever he's hanging out my senior enlisted is like glued to my side like i'm not making these decisions without whoever my senior and they're going with me with the notable exception of like if we need to divide and conquer some tasking or some like information sourcing that's different. But for all of the major decision making glued together, the two of us, me and my expert. <laughs> yeah. And I would also say you need to use your senior enlisted because they can get stuff rolling. So yeah. even though you're going to have different COAs, there's going to be a lot of overlap. Sure. And so they can start getting, you know, the Embark stuff rolling and, and see what's going on there. Uh, for loadout, getting vehicles fueled, things like that. But yeah, and running things in parallel, that kind of it's it goes into something we're going to talk about in, in a future one, which is like resource allocation, because all I could think of when I was looking at this is like the critical path, which is another thing <laughs> the CBs have like drilled into me and has business school. So overlap. Yay. Yeah. Because like, if you know that you need to get stuff to a place and you're going to do it over land. You don't have to wait for whatever the specific thing is to start some of the pieces moving and there will be an expert somewhere. You have somebody on Embark, if you've gotten this far, who can start those balls rolling before you know exactly what the specifics are going to be. And there's going to be someone with convoy security that's going to say, yep, we can give you X number of gun trucks or X number of personnel to ride along. And I think the information comes in faster than you expect. And it's just not getting stuck in analysis paralysis first time, first go around it. What makes sense? Simple is good. Yep. And I think to some extent, going back to like the time estimation on this, I think you can almost hit two of these at once, which is like getting that preliminary plan to your CO and getting an estimated delivery time to the other bases CO. I think you can get both of those done at once if you develop your your COAs smartly because if you say okay CEO I'm going to you know so we said like okay best case is an hour worst case is six hours probably more like three or four right depending on weird stuff like how big your base is and how many you know like how disparate 
all of the people you need to talk to are, but we've talked about going to the kind of hub to cut some of that down. So if you say, I'll be back in three and a half, four hours with, with the preliminary plans, and then with each preliminary plan, you can say, we can execute this one in 10 hours, we can execute this one in 12 hours, we can execute this one in 15 hours. You can have at the time your CEO says, go forth and do, you can say, okay, if that's the one you want with no modifications, I feel confident that you can call ahead to that other base CEO and say that they will see us in 15 to 17 hours or or whatever the the answer is. So you can kind of, again, you can kind of dual track some of that. Yeah. And I think also they'll add a factor of safety sure. uh, into your into your estimate. And I think the big thing is if you're presenting COAs that have more than, you know, an hour difference is be prepared to talk to the pros and cons. Of course. Um, because just because something takes longer doesn't mean it's not the right decision. Right. And I think that that's something because if you want to deliver more stuff, it is going to just physically take more time to source it, put it on the trucks, right? And whether that adds 30 minutes or two hours depends on the volume of the stuff. Yeah. It might also change how fast your vehicles can drive or how much gas you're going to consume, which has other impacts, right? If you are presenting like multiple time estimates, be prepared to say, this costs us an extra two hours. Here's why that may or may not be worth it. Or this is going to save us an hour, but this is what it's going to cost you as far as, you know, whatever the mission is. The only other thing I was be aware of what time of day it is, especially when we're going to be moving stuff. You're going to need drivers. You're going to need equipment operators. Have they been up for 24 hours? Do yep. they need to bed down? And oftentimes, you know, you can get, you'll have mechanics that are also capable of moving equipment, um, especially like in a yard setting. Okay, you know what? They're going to be the ones that move it to set it up because we need our drivers to actually be ready to drive safely. Yeah. Um, I think a good CEO will ask like the status of your personnel. And of course. Be concerned about their safety. But yeah, so I, w- I would say you get back to the CEO and you would say like, yep, I'll see you in four hours, sir. Have my COAs. You bring your senior chief with you yeah probably bring your other khaki with you from your company so bring your uh, company commanders bring bring the platoon commanders bring the platoon chiefs and if you're air debt you probably have rock star first classes like bring your first classes yeah especially if they're going to be the ones executing tasks and subtasks because they're going to get asked questions about your plan for sure and i think that is something really important when we talk about time estimation For small tasks, like, hey, when can you get me this award write-up? Having to justify stuff is maybe not as important. When you're talking about large-scale logistics, humanitarian, or something like this, where another unit really needs our help, your CO is going to want to, going back to the whole SKUs thing, like your CO is going to want to know that your line of reasoning is good because they don't have time to independently verify all the decisions you've made. They want to verify that your logic is good. And one of the best ways to do that is to have all of the people who kind of going back to the comparative estimate tool of like, maybe they haven't done exactly this before, but they've done a lot of similar contemporary you know, type things. And so their opinion on how this is going to go is one we can trust. And that's kind of what I think they want to see. Yeah. And I would say the CBs are good at moving a lot of stuff long distances. And so I think that also kind of ties nicely, ties everything up nicely with the like, ask an expert, like add the expert. Don't just ask them, like add them to your team. You know, when you treat it like a word problem, I think that was immediately why like I broke out my calculator. I was like, <laughs> how, how far, like conceptually, okay, 200 miles. Well, how long does it actually take to get there if you're only driving 25 miles an hour? Okay, that's eight hours. So that's 16 hours round trip. All right. right now we need to now we need to start thinking about fuel for our own vehicles. Yep. Um, number of drivers. You know what size trucks are we actually bringing with us? That's going to determine the load of stuff. Right. Uh, and then food. do we have food? Do we have a priority list from? Yeah. The base we're going to because if we only have five trucks and we'll say they're smaller, well you're going to get less of everything. And in that case, it might be better to get more food, water, and ammo right. than building supplies. Right. 
And exactly, because if what they're looking for right now is like the Band-Aid, and maybe somebody else entirely is tasked with sourcing what they're going to need to actually like do the rebuild. And I go into this again in the write-up, which is like probably the first and most important step in estimating any project is really understanding the end goal. And because if you run away with this tasking and you say, well, we're going to rebuild this entire base, even if you come up with a great plan to do that in four hours, you will not have actually met what the CEO wanted, which was to get emergency supplies there. And so really understanding the bounds of like what you're being asked to execute matters a lot. Yeah. And and then I think also bringing personnel with you and and trying to figure out, are you going to have to leave any personnel there? Um, Are you going to have to leave any medical personnel there? Are you going to have to take any people back with you? And I think the final part here in this initial task is what other assets are in the area. Oh, that's so smart. I I don't even have that on my list. I just assumed the two of us were out. I wrote this and I incorrectly assumed <laughs> we were out here alone and unafraid. I'm like, if, I'm like, whoever wrote this, if that's all they wrote, that must be all there is. But like, <laughs> there would never be, at least in my experience, just like, like two disparate bases hanging out. Like someone else is here. If it's army, what? air force, some, someone's nearby. A ship. Not the seals. We're not the the rangers. Like we're not hanging out with goat herders. I can't (laughs) confirm or deny that even sometimes the seals have people in the area too. Just even the seals need support personnel. (laughs) I think something that's interesting about that, and maybe the only reason I would put that a little bit on the back burner, is that as soon as you go outside of like your chain of command for help, you slow the whole project down. Because especially yeah. if you're going across different like type commanders, different you know service branches, now big people have to talk to other big people. Like it's much harder to just do like a yeah. like a onesie. But onesie. I, I do think it's important though because if you're like, oh, we have an entire air mobility unit attached to the to the base, like okay, well, we only need to get them covered for the next forty eight hours. Like how long are we actually need? Do we actually need to sustain them? Because when making the request, while they're going to try to make the request of you as specific as possible, they may not time bound it. And and you may have to make that assumption yourself. You also don't want to be trucking stuff that other people can deliver easier. Right. Or that maybe you can still deliver easier, but why take, you know, all five trucks if you really only need four, especially if there's a security concern, or if those are the only five trucks that work on base, you're going to have you're going to have a hard sell getting all five of them for anything. And if you over deliver to this other base, then when they get resupplied, you're also going to end up in the hole and it, you're just going to make like a wider web of messes. So I think you're you're definitely right to like look and be like, okay, if it's going to take them X number of days to get a fuller resupply, then we should bound that. And, and, I think and then also how many trips yeah. you need to make. There's nothing limiting us to one trip. And I think it's easy to get stuck when you're making the COAs of like, oh, we'll just make one trip and we got to do it all in one push. When in reality, eight hours, 16 hours round trip, you could sustain them in 48, 72 hour cycles. fewer trucks and not overload them because they may not even have the infrastructure to receive everything that you're bringing. Yeah. And I mean, some of that goes to like, again, maybe what you need to be sending out while you're building out these COAs going back to that, you know, need list versus want list. Like, okay, but really what's more important right now? water or ammunition because if you're taking direct fire but you have some stores of water left maybe it's ammunition if the ammunition is more of just a like scaring off local looters but it's 120 degrees and your well got filled up with sand during the storm packing out the water might be you know more important and so i think there's there's definitely a need to find not just your experts but to get in touch with with their experts you I mean you should have an RFI log and just a running line of communication um, yeah. with so, with someone on the other side. 
Yeah. So RFI is request for information. And it's basically like, so in this scenario, I told people to just like make stuff up. Real world, obviously, we're not making stuff up. You are going to push every single teeny tiny question that comes to your head to somebody, whether that's somebody internally, like we were talking about S2, S6, S3, right? You're going to have to get ops involved in this, but also you're going to need to be getting in touch with those same people on their end and pushing a lot of this through. So I actually got listener feedback for this one. It was my first one. So thank you, Natalie Richter. You're amazing. Because I asked people to write in with their thoughts. And she had a lot of the same stuff we did, which is like, first and foremost, that, that senior enlisted leader, right? And if you are the senior enlisted leader, that's other senior enlisted leaders you want to grab. It is your officer, right? You want to you bring them in on this. And it's those hot runner first classes, right? Anyone who might be a good voice. And then she's got first has to come to mind, right? Work crews, pulling likely supplies, right? So starting those things that you know you're going to need to do and not waiting until you have full approval. Requisitioning trucks and drivers, same thing. She had a really interesting point in here. So she suggests using backwards planning, which I thought is really interesting and definitely something I did with the CBs, which is like, I need to know the hard stop because then they're absolutely like, we need this in 48 hours or people are going to starve, dehydrate, die without their medicine. I don't know, like pick whatever the hard stop is. Then the COAs that you present are not time bound as much as these are the different types of things I can accomplish by that need by date. Because if they say 48 hours, you're like, okay, I I can either get, you know, this much water, this much medicine, this much ammunition, or I can get you, you know, these different levels of stuff. I can run it these ways. And that's a fundamentally different type of planning than saying, I'm going to get you X supplies and I'm going to do it in type A, type type B, type C way. So the Marine Corps actually uses backwards planning. It what I they would call problem framing at part mm. of MCPP. So Marine Corps planning process. And yeah. I am a traitor to the Navy. I will say MCPP is far superior than the <gasps> Navy planning process. And actually having done NATO planning, I still stand by and say MCPP is awesome, especially for when you need to get through these activities quickly. So the backwards planning is awesome for problem framing because it's also going to give you the RFIs that you need to ascertain from your CO or Mm. potentially from the other base CO before you even do your COA development. Right. And that can be done while you're still requisitioning trucks and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And I think some of the other stuff that she brought up that, clearly someone who's like done this. So I was talking about like road conditions. She talks about weather, right? You're getting that from, from Intel. That's some information you're going to need. And she brings up what resources, and you talked about this a little bit with infrastructure. What are the resources at the other end to offload and manage and house all of this stuff? Because if you bring say temperature sensitive medications that they need, but they don't have refrigeration there, then you've wasted a bunch of people's time and effort. And so I think that goes into that RFI thing that you were talking about, which is like you need to, as fast as you get your senior enlisted leader involved in this, you also need to be getting plugged in with some peer across at the other base to just start getting info because it's going to make some big changes. This reminds me actually of SKU's boards. And one of the first RFIs I would look for would be to see if the person requested material handling equipment at the airport Mm -hmm. upon arrival. And so many times you don't think of it. You're like, or did you put your forklift on your first plane or your fifth plane? Oh, now you've got all your planes stuck there and no forklift. Right, and no forklift. And so, right, it's just that, is there a forklift there to move past? And if Um, not then you need to be thinking about how the first thing we bring with us is actually the forklift. Yeah. Uh, So looking, looking at this problem holistically, I think this is an excellent opportunity to basically use all, all of the time estimation skills, right? Because the first thing your CEO wants to know is when can they have a preliminary plan? And we talked about that three point estimate. Think about what's the best I could do this in what's the worst this could do. And what's like most likely 
talk to your senior enlisted about that. Say, hey, I think we can get this done in four hours. And if they're like, mm, give me four and a half, right? Or like, give me whatever. That's what you take back. That's a really good use of three-point estimate. And when you're looking at the specific subtasks here, which obviously you're going to break down using that ask an expert, right? You're going to go to S2, S6, S3. You're going to say, hey, give me these people. Let's talk this through. Let's look at what resources we have, what our constraints are. That is really asking the experts and getting solid advice from a point of point of experience on that. I think the comparative estimate is really strong here because you're putting a lot of things together where it's like, sure, we've done a lot of convoys, but have you done convoys where the roads have been taken out by a sandstorm or, you know, whatever else. So you're bringing a lot of that knowledge together and you have to synthesize it, right? You have to say everyone's opinion is valid, but also like not exactly right. So let's mush them all together. Yeah, I think with that is being able to, at least internally, when you're putting everything together, putting confidence intervals to the yes. information you're using. And, yep. and Intel will do this a lot. Yep. And, you know, the weather guys, they'll be like, you know, we're 50% sure the road is going to be clear. If it's only 50%, well, are you bringing road clearing equipment with you now? Right. You know, what? what is your plan? And I think when you have that internal dialogue, and, and I think if you're the briefer, you write everything down, write your entire logic flow down. Yeah. Um, it, it will help bring clarity to the plan because someone may be like, why, why are you bringing road clearing equipment? You're, you know, you're just going down the road and be like, well, actually I talked to, you know, our me talk guys and they're like, this is the situation. Yeah. And I think that's the other part of ask an expert is not just asking them and then taking their opinion on as your own, but like you, you talked about bringing them into the team, which has come up a, a bunch in the comments on this sub too is like bring their logic on board to the planning. And you talked about like the confidence interval, like, hey, I made this decision. I based it on this info from this person. This is how confident they were in it. This is how confident I am in all of those things that I just did. And again, that's where this goes. I think from a, whoa, from a science to an art is like you and I could get all the same information, come up with two very different plans. And I think both of our plans could be pretty right, but they could still be pretty different. Right. And and you talked briefly about critical path. And I think when you're briefing your risks to the CO, you're going to brief what your critical path activities are, or kind of those nodes that yeah. if that node fails. Right. Like what happens to your plan? Can you splinter off and still go the roundabout way and complete your plan? Or are you all stopped? Yeah. Um, and I kind of like to think of plans as like electrical grids. You don't you don't run all your electricity 100 percent through one line. You never run anything at 100 percent capacity. Right. Um, you, you, unless you live on Guam and then we do run things <laughs> at like 110 percent capacity and they blow up. Uh, <laughs> Yay, Guam. But right. It's that how is it going to be spread out and, and how are you going to get it back together and it's better to underpromise and overdeliver yeah. than to overpromise and underdeliver. I think Absolutely. especially in situations like this. Um, yes. Because they will tell you if you are underpromising too little. Mm. They, like they will tell you, no, that is unacceptable. Yeah. If you say we can do this all in four days and they're like, great, we'll all be dehydrated and in serious medical trouble by then. And you're like, all right, well, I was going to overdeliver, but. Right. So, yeah. And I think you talked about that in one of your steps, the like, don't, don't go high and right. Or, yeah. you know, don't, don't try and build yourself so much extra time that people actually stop trusting you to give them valid estimates. Because the other thing that we haven't talked about basically at all is that somebody else is also working on stuff for this base. Like very unlikely that you you alone and unafraid or me alone and unafraid is, you know, 04 and 04 select. Very unlikely that we are the only people working on this, which means whatever estimate you give to your CO, that has impacts on other people. It has impacts on when they're starting to wake people up to prep vehicles. It has, if you have temperature sensitive stuff, it 
impacts when they're going to load it, but it also impacts if other people need those trucks for other things, when maybe they can expect them back, right? It's all coming together, as Kronk <laughs> would say. And so being reasonable in, and you, you talked about, you know, adding that breathing room, you have to add some, but you can't add so much. Yeah. yeah. And I think kind of the last part there, though, is don't be afraid to think outside the box. Yeah. Um, do they need water to, you know, do they actually need pallets and pallets of bottled water? Or do they need pallets of bottled water to get them until they can actually set up a new water purification and you just need to yeah. bring the Connex box that has reverse osmosis and you're yeah. gonna, they'll be able to set it up and then sustain themselves. Right. I think it's really easy to fall into that trap of physical goods and pallets mm. of goods. And when in reality, it's how do you enable them? Sure. And so I think if you think from that perspective, it will also help in your problem framing. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons to have potentially at least kind of a lot of chefs in the kitchen, not a lot of chefs necessarily making decisions. Ultimately, that's going to come down to you and your SEL or, and your CO. But once people get trapped into a mindset like that, especially if they're working really closely together, it can be hard for somebody to snap out of it and be like, why would we deliver 10 pallets of water when we could deliver two pallets of water and that will cover them for the amount of time it takes to set up reverse osmosis. And you need like that one dissenting voice, which is why having maybe not even like we went back, we were talking again about the rank. It's not necessarily having the most senior people in the room. It's about having those different perspectives, right? Somebody who can be like, why would like, I just got qualified on reverse osmosis. I would love to have an opportunity to set that up and then they yeah. bring it up and you're like oh now we're thinking with portals <laughs> sorry yeah that's a and silly I, video game reference but yeah that was great i do exactly <laughs> would you like it <laughs> <laughs> but and it, i think you can't communicate too much but you can communicate I'm trying to think of the right way to say this there is actually such a thing as too much communication if what because you're, if you're just feeding information and there's no analysis to it, it's useless to everyone. Which is like the Intel community, if I remember correctly, that's their big thing is there's like a difference between information and intelligence, which is like information is just like facts, 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 facts. And the Intel is like, here's the context and what it means and why it matters and that is what you're looking to kind of quote unquote over communicate on is not just facts, 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 but like major changes and the impact that that major change has on the plan or whatever. And, and I would also encourage like if you're especially if you're like a new J.O. or you're going up for a call board and someone asks you this question out on, you know, a field exercise, you don't actually have to provide an answer right then and there. I mean, yeah. yes technically speaking they could order you to provide an answer but it's also very acceptable to say sir i need you know an hour to find out and report back yeah uh, before there's nothing that, wrong with that yeah even before that preliminary plan especially if for whatever reason you are alone and unafraid in front of the co and he or she is just like you know when can i have those koas i would never even if I was like very sure of myself, I don't think I would ever be like, I'll have you answers in three hours. I feel like I would be like, let me go check with my senior and I'll have, I'll tell you, like, I will come back and brief you on when I can have you those goas. Give me 20 minutes, give me 30 minutes. And I cannot imagine a scenario that is not like the ship is actively sinking where asking for that additional 20 minutes is going to be met with anything other than oh yeah of course please please don't just you're make not, things up <laughs> right you're not taking emergent action and i think that's the big thing is we're talking about a planning process and not sure. getting lost but what i will offer with time estimation as a chronic procrastinator <laughs> is the additive of oh if you wait till the last minute it only takes a minute that works on very small scales yeah. That does not work the second you're involving other people. Right. You know, I thought about it tonight. I was like, well, can I shower in the amount of time and feed my cat and 
get my water bottle filled before I talk to Lexi. Yeah, I could do this. It only takes me 20 minutes and I have 10 minutes to do all this. <laughs> like, no, that is not the attitude you, you're supposed to have when, you have plan- when you're doing planning. But see, you're one of my besties. You could just be like, yo, I need an extra 10 minutes. And I, <laughs> I am a loving commanding officer. I would say, of course, you can have the extra 10 minutes, <laughs> especially if it's to feed us. I mean, she, Esker, she was very upset that her dinner was, you know, 20 minutes later than normal. Esker, you have every right to be upset. I'm upset for you. I will send I will send treats to make up for my inconveniencing <laughs> you. <laughs> this has been well, this has been a really fun trip down memory lane and has reminded me of all the things I've forgotten about the CBs. So that's really exciting. I have no idea. Even now, going through the scenario, I'm like, wow, how much information have I forgotten? And I think that just goes to show the importance of you use your people. Like your people are your center of gravity. Die on that sword. Yeah. And not even just, again, not even just the most experienced person. Sometimes just the person who's been embedded in that unit, in that environment for a little longer Because knocking that rust off, getting the beat of your unit, your people, your constraints, your equipment, your everything, and flexing those muscles every day makes a huge difference because I can feel the strength of the CBs coming back to me, but it's it's just not the same as when I was, when I was doing it every day. I'm waiting for the text messages from old chiefs being like, really? You let us down. Why would you do that? You're such a failure. No. (laughs) I would like to apologize in advance to Chief Pierce, (laughs) Senior Gas. (laughs) Apologize in advance to everyone that helped me get my skew spin. Please don't take it away. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't take it back. (laughs) I swear I can relearn McPP. Oh my gosh. But please don't make me. Please don't make me. I'm going to have to, aren't I? No, you're going to have to do Navy planning instead, which is way worse and convoluted. Worse Worse somehow. Yeah, I don't think we need any more acronyms. (laughs) No, no. I, I, fun fact, totally unrelated. So originally the Substack started as a final project for a class this semester. So I had to write out a bunch of the stuff. And I submitted it all to my professor who is a senior editor at the New York Times. And he wrote me back and he was like, your writing is compelling. You are following all the things we talked about in class. And he was like, but I'm going to be honest, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And I was like, oops. Thanks for joining us for Depth and Distance Leadership Challenge this week. As you can tell, planning is such a complex set of skills. And even though we were focusing on time estimation, There is so much else to consider, even when you're just looking at how to estimate time, which is why this is a series. So the first several substacks for this year and pods for this year are all going to be about looking at the planning process, different ways to think about and interact with the planning process. And I hope this was really helpful. As always, the podcast and the substack are free and available to anyone who needs them. The best way you can show support is by sharing, reading, and listening. Thanks so much. Have an amazing beginning to your 2024.